0: Let's turn then to the, to the Word of God, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 32. We're looking at three stories here, and I'll tie them all together as we go into the sermon. But um, Luke 5, 12 through 32. And let's listen carefully to God's holy and inspired Word. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, Don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. They went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at this house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. This is God's holy word. While I was reading it too I remembered Carrie and Penny reader. <laughs> so some weird thing can happen while you're reading but anyway so pray for pray for uh, pray for them as well. And also just I know we have s- several people with the rise in the cases of the COVID. You know for a lot of us you know it's not uh, it's not been that hard of a sickness. A lot of people have had it, and they've recovered rec- really quickly, and thanks be to God for that. Um, but also, but there's some, too, you know, who have issues with their lungs, or they have other preconditions that uh, cause them to want to make greater precautions, or they're caring for someone who is who has those types of things, and they, and they want to be very cautious not to have to give to them or disrupt their care of them. And so I, I notice that some of them who, who I know are in that st- condition. Um, I have not been here these past few weeks, but let's remember them in prayer. Uh, Carrie and Penny, I know, um, again, just they had a really bad struggle with the COVID last year. I know they're being cautious, and then they are feeling a little bit ill, and then, um, but then others as well, let's remember them. If you don't see someone here, you know, feel free to reach out to them, and I know that you all do a good job of doing that, but uh, remember that they still need the touch of this community, even if they feel they can't be here for a time, so let's pray that the Lord will also hasten the day that they'll be able to come back, and we'll be able to 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 comfortably worship together and uh, enjoy that fellowship God has for us. Let's pray. O oh Lord, our God, you are the all-wise God who knows all things, and we praise you, O oh Lord, that you have revealed to us your truth, so that we can have a firm foundation for our thinking, for our acting, that we can know our place with you that we can know our standing with you because you have declared to us your forgiveness. And so, Lord, we pray that you would open up our hearts to believe and receive that. We also um, do lift up to you, Carrie and Penny as well, and all the other people we've mentioned. We also pray for those who can't be with us um, because of, of need to take extra precautions, because of already dealing with other things. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would be with them. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would bless those who are caring for those who are uh, more vulnerable. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you give them patience and strength, especially in this time as they go where, where people are inside and sickness is passing around all the, all the more. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would sustain them, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them, give them um, special help in this time, that they would know your comfort and grace. And use your church to bless them in a variety of ways. And we pray this not only for us, but for the many throughout our nation, through our schools and so on who are struggling we pray, O oh Lord, that you would give us help and use us as your people to show forth the goodness of the kingdom as we love those who are in need and, lo- and share the burden that we have together. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do I really belong here? Uh, that's a question we all face at one time or another. I was thinking about this this week in light of our Constitution. Our Constitution... Says that, and our Declaration of Independence declare that all men are created equal and are endowed with their Creator with certain inalienable rights. And so the United States is, is a unique nation in that whatever background you come from, you can be an American. You really can. I've been to other nations where that's not the case. Like you're never quite part of that nation. You can't just come in and become that. You're always, you didn't grow up there, it's more ethnically based. And so, but our nation is unique. Unfortunately, for much of our history, um, we, we lived in a way that was contrary to that. First by enslaving a group of people, and then, by, and then by saying that you don't really belong here, you should be separate, you should be over there, and you should not be part of this nation's life. And so we give thanks to God for men like Martin Luther King, who stood up and, and forced of uh, the people of this nation uh, to deal with that so that we, that we began to break down those walls. And it's, uh, it's easy for us to forget the struggles of the past. It's easy for us to forget that those who've been hurt in the past have a hard time just saying, hey, I'm part of this. And we all have a work in our own heart to say we need to be, we, as we are citizens of this nation, that we are welcoming people that we are that we are here together that we we belong to one another in this nation and the Martin Luther King Jr Day is a continual reminder to continue to seek greater justice to continue to seek to help people feel that they belong and that's kind of some of the big picture that we're talking about from this week but really everybody deals with that in one way or another at some time you come into a place and you feel like you don't belong. It's a new place. Or, or all of a sudden, you feel like people are against you or whatever the case may be. And those are very hurtful experiences. And, and sometimes I think it's good for, it, it's easy for us just to kind of build our own world around places where we feel comfortable. And we all tend to do that to an extent. And, but it's good for us to kind of jump outside that once in a while to say, we're going to try and experience a place where we don't necessarily think that we belong to know what that's like. And then that helps us to be able to reach out to other people who come in from the outside and to know what they think. That's one one thing I, I encourage people when they're on vacation is, is go visit a church where you don't know anybody and just see what that's like. It's really an interesting experience. And remember, there's people who come into our church who have that same experience. But it's not just in church. It's in all sorts of communities. And so the question of do we belong is one that we face virtually every day in our lives. It's a common one. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, we want to know today, and we're, we're, we're asking the question, how do we know we belong? And what does the Bible say to those who don't feel that they belong? Because we have an example of three people who felt like in some way they're on the outside for one reason or another. And so Jesus shows us in the way that he relates to them that he is the king who welcomes everyone, that the kingdom is wide open. And so let's look at these three stories and see how our Savior teaches us about himself and about the kingdom. The first story is about a leper. Now, the general meaning of leprosy is virtually any skin disease where it's kind of being eaten away or... Sometimes it could be terrible uh, in in terms of in terms of the specific condition that is called leprosy. That, uh, but it, it went beyond that. Anything where there's kind of a skin disease that's spreading, and what it meant for someone who had these these skin diseases is they had to separate from society, and they had to yell unclean if someone was coming near them. And what it also meant religiously is that they weren't able to go to the temple or be part of the rituals of the temple. Now, if there is one thing that 2020 taught me, it is the joy of a crowd. And so, you know, when I think of, of the time when of isolation, which at times I enjoy some isolation. I like to get away. I like to be able to have some time to think. But, you know, I also really love a crowd. And now every time I see one, it's like, that's where I want to go. I'm like, I want to be in the middle of Gatlinburg, like every night now. You know, because it's like, it's great. And... But you know, because we had a time where that we that we were were not able to experience that, and um but we had a sense that it was going to end sometime, you know, but when it comes to to the when it comes to the leper, he was in that isolation, and he never knew that if he might ever be able to enter into a crowd again, never and so this leper did something rather astonishing and forbidden, and it was actually forbidden in society. Instead of, instead of uh, running away or shouting out unclean, he came right up to Jesus. Didn't necessarily touch him, but approached him and fell on his face. And what he said to them, Tim, to is, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And one thing that Jesus did, and what Jesus did in response was even more astonishing. He did something that probably no one else in that time would have been willing to do. He didn't run away from the man. He didn't back up. He didn't socially distance. He went right up to the man and touched the leper. When was the last time that that man had experienced touch? Who knows? And yet touch is essential for human growth, development, and well-being. And so Jesus comes and he puts his hand right on this leprous man. And then he says to him these wonderful words, I am willing, I am willing, be clean. He has the power and he's willing to heal. That is the message from Jesus. And so far from spreading uncleanness to Jesus, Jesus spreads health and cleanness to the leper. That's what the presence of Jesus does. When he comes, he brings healing power. Now, there's an interesting note that Jesus says here. He says, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So, when, if a leper was, cleaned, was healed, then a leper was supposed to go to the priest, and the priest would examine him, and then you see that was the place of healing, right? The temple. And Jesus is sort of the temple. Now he's going right to it. He's the presence of God here on earth. And, but he was to go to the priest, show himself. And Jesus says, still go to the priest. And then he says, "If you, know, you're gonna, you are healed. So you're gonna then when you were healed, you're supposed to offer a sacrifice. And so he says, go ahead and do that. Now let, you, let me just make a, this is kind of a side note here. That Jesus honored the laws of God that the law that God had given them. He, he kept them all. And during that time, God had commanded that the ritual laws of the Old Testament be kept. A day was coming soon when all those things would be fulfilled and they would no longer be required. They would become a matter of indifference. But while Jesus was here, he kept all these things. He went into the temple. He was circumcised. They offered the offerings. He went to the festivals and so on, just as he was commanded to. Because he fulfilled the law on our behalf. And so he says to the leper, this is what the Lord has commanded for this time. So this is what you are to do. Now, Jesus kept going to the people like the leper. And he keeps going to the unclean. So the question is, how does Jesus get the strength to keep giving himself to other people, even people like a leper, Well, look at verse 16. He says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. How did he get the strength to keep serving? He took it from his father. He relied on his father and his love and his connection with the father and that gave him the strength to move forward. And if Jesus needed that, how much more do we, right? But it says that human beings are made for fellowship with God. We rely on him and it's out of that fellowship with him. It's out of that love that we experience with him, that we are enabled to serve others. And you see that in the life of Jesus. That's one thing that Luke highlights over and over again. Remember, while he was being baptized, Jesus was praying. He's he's praying when he's he's tempted and so on. Here he's praying. Luke's going to highlight that again and again. We're going to see it. And that reminds us that, that we're continually dependent on the Father and the door is open to heaven and we just need to go and receive it. Now the people in this passage, Levi, the leper, and the paralyzed man, all sort of appear in front of Jesus. It's like he's just going about his business and there they are. But this is especially true in our next story. They just pop in. Jesus was teaching. He had gone inside a house and he was, and he was teaching inside this house and it was filled with people. There was the, the leaders of the town, the leaders, the leading teachers all sat there and they were listening to him, kind of checking him out. Is he going to say the right thing? And then the people were there and, and they were all crowded into this little house. Now, there's four friends that, that, also, that the, our text mention, mentions and they have a, another friend who is a Paralytic a paralytic just means someone who's not able to walk. And so, you know, they could carry him around. But they knew that Jesus had the power to heal. We'd already seen that, that people brought everybody who needed healing, and Jesus healed them all. So they wanted him to stay there. He said, no, I've got to go keep preaching the kingdom of God. have got to go to the next town. So they knew what was going on there. But then, so they said, let's bring him to Jesus. But Jesus is there in the middle of a crowd inside a house. There's no way they can get in. But then they realized we got an idea here we can we can go up to the roof there's no hole in the roof let's make a hole and as i when I was a little kid hearing this, I always could I pictured Jesus preaching and then like a saw kind of coming through the roof like you know on a in like in a cartoon or something you know and uh, I don't think that's what it was like i'm not, I, I've, I've read these descriptions of the houses and you know, I don't know. But anyways, either way, they were able to get a hole in there. And there's a hole, and now Jesus right below him. And in drops this man right in front of Jesus. And what is Jesus going to say to this man? Now, it's just such a strange thing. Maybe he wouldn't know what to say. Or maybe he'd be upset that he's interrupting his, his, his teaching. But he, he greets him with amazing welcome. And he does this, you could see, in two different ways. He says, friend. So he, he, he says, you are a friend. I've come right alongside you. Wherever you are, wherever you've been, I'm coming alongside you to work together with you, to be with you in whatever you experience. That's what a friend is. But then he says, friend, your sins are forgiven you. And it's amazing because, you know, you think that this man clearly can't walk, is being lowered down. I mean, it's obvious what the issue is. But Jesus doesn't actually say get up and walk, which is what we might expect him to say. Instead, he says your sins are forgiven you, which indicates to me that this man was not only struggling outwardly, but he was struggling inwardly. And we all know that oftentimes when we experience struggles outwardly, we can have that inward struggle as well, because we might think because things are going badly, therefore God doesn't love me because things are going badly. Now there's no hope for me. And the word your sins are forgiven means not only that God does accept you, that God does love you, but also that there's hope for the future, that you can expect good things from God, even though you might not see how it's all going to work out right now. That's the hope that Jesus gives him. Friend, your sins are forgiven you. Now, the leaders respond to this in a rather negative way. They begin thinking to themselves, who is this who speaks blasphemy, who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, the interesting thing about what they're saying is that they are actually partly right. They say, who can forgive sins but God alone? And that is true. Ultimately, we, we, we can sin against one another. And in that sense, we, we should forgive one another. And we should ask for forgiveness when we have sinned against someone. And someone can forgive us. And that's what we hope, reconciliation when wrongs are done. But ultimately, all the wrong that we do is against the one who has put the law within us and who is the Lord of all, and against whom we've sinned, and that is God. And consequently, no one else can say, and truly mean it, that your sins are, for, sins are forgiven unless they are authorized by God to do so. They must, it must be God himself who comes and says this in order for this to take place. So in this way, they are right, that only God can forgive sins, And so how could Jesus do it? Well, the answer is only if he is God himself. And as I've told you over and over again, is that, you know, if someone claims to be God, claims the power of divinity, normally that person is someone we think is crazy or else a Jim Jones type swindler. Maybe a little bit of both. But we can't write Jesus off in that way. That's the amazing thing, is he makes these astounding claims, and yet we can't just write him off. He's the one... Who is, who, whose every word seems right and, and good and true, who even his enemies acknowledge that what he says is good, and they want to follow his example. So how could this be anyone other than what he claimed to be? It's the most amazing thing that has ever happened in the history of the world. But it's true. He is. Now, how does Jesus show this? He asks them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? And he, asked them, and he asked them this interesting question. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? So which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven and be able to actually do it, or to say, get up and walk? Well, they're both pretty hard. One, is, one is, requires a work of infinite creative power, which only God has, and the other one required the death on the cross. So two very hard things to say, but nonetheless, he says, but I want to show you, I'm going to show you that I have power on earth to forgive sins. In other words, I want to show you that the biggest problem you have is one that I have come to solve. We generally tend to think that our, our problems of this life, of, of, of friendships, of family, and so on, things, things around us that we struggle with are our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is not that, our biggest problem is the alienation that occurs between us and God because of our sins and everything else is rooted in that. So he wanted to see them. He wanted them to know, not first and foremost, that he could heal someone who couldn't walk, but that he could heal the relationship between God and man. And so he says, I'm going to show you that I have the power to forgive sins, that I can heal the biggest breach and out of that will flow everything good. And so what he says to this man is that arise. I tell you, Take up your mat and go home. And immediately, he gets up. He goes home and he gives thanks to God. Because he has seen forgiveness. And he has seen the restoration of his legs. And it wasn't just him. It was everyone. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. Another translation says mean the same thing we've seen marvelous things today so which goes back to our sermon titled the marvelous works of jesus the amazing things that he does and so this man's forgiven everybody's praising god but what we see here is that the king is here he's come and he has the power to heal and he has the power to forgive and so not one of us none of us no matter what we've done no matter how Many bad things, no matter how much guilt we feel, no matter how much shame, no matter where we've been, should say, I don't belong here in the kingdom. Why? Because the king comes with the forgiveness of sins. And so all are welcome. And no no matter how many times we've sinned, he's always the one who's ready to come back to us and declare, your sins are forgiven you. So we should have no doubt that we belong. What would keep us from belonging? Our sin. And Jesus is, is, declares to us, that is covered. That is dealt with. Your sins are forgiven you. You belong here. So we don't need to let our guilt and shame keep us back. You're, forgi- you're forgiven is the word of the king. And so we can say, we've seen marvelous things. But we're not done. We have to look at one more man... Here, because this will teach us also about the welcoming nature of our king. Now, in this text, we see that this happened right around the same time. And Mark adds a detail that Jesus went out to the lake, and he's coming back. He's walking back into the city. And there he meets a man named Levi. And he's sitting at the tax collector booth. Now this is ironic because the tax collector is collecting taxes for whom? For Rome. And so people saw the tax collector as the traitor. So if anyone would be made to feel like he didn't belong, it would be a tax collector. He's a traitor to the nation. His name is Levi, though, which is taken from the the third son of Jacob and the tribe of Israel called Levi. And what what were the Levites supposed to do? They were to take care of the temple. And so if anyone was on the inside, it was supposed to be Levi. So it's ironic that here this man named Levi, who's clearly from the tribe of Levi, is now on the outside because he's cooperating with the government of Rome and the people would have rejected him and looked at him as on being on the outside. And what Jesus does is he comes up to this one that no one probably would have come up to with much welcome and he says, I want you to be with me. Follow me is his word. And we need to see what that means is that Jesus wants to have this man being with him as part of his group. That's what it means. He's welcoming him in. It doesn't matter what he'd done. It doesn't matter if he cheated people, which he probably had. Jesus is saying, I can deal with that. I want you to be with me. You belong. Come follow me. And so Levi gets up, he leaves it all, and just follows Jesus. And we can see this man named Levi is also the one who is his another name is Matthew. And Matthew is the one who wrote the book, We Have Matthew. So Levi, the tax collector, becomes Matthew, the one who tells people the story of Jesus. But Jesus was not done. He went to Levi's house. He went to a party that Levi threw. And what Levi did is he invited everybody he knew, and the people that were part of his group, all of them on the outside. And he had a party, and he brought all the disciples, and he brought Jesus, and they all got together. And one author had suggested that that's the sort of thing we should do. We should throw a, a Levi party. Meaning you invite your Christian friends, you invite your non-Christian friends, you bring them all together and you just see what happens. And uh, it's a great idea. The the problem is a lot of times as Christians we get a little bit isolated in our church because this is our community, this is our friends, and, and we stop making friends outside. And that's one thing that we should learn from Jesus that Jesus had the disciples but he had lots of connections out there and he was always ready to go where the people were. And... He wouldn't have affected them had he not gotten near them. Same is true for us. This is the kind of party that we need. It's the kind of party that we should have a vision for. Now, and it's the kind of party that actually might get you in trouble. Because God, Jesus, in trouble. When Jesus threw this party, people started asking, like, what's he doing with all these people? We know that these people are not good people. And so they ask him. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And you notice they don't do it directly. They ask through the disciples. Why do you eat with all these people? And Jesus then goes to them directly and said, because this is why I've come. I've come to gather all these people together. Listen, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. i am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Have you sinned? Then, this is, you, then Jesus has come for you. You're the person Jesus wants to be with. You're the person Jesus wants to have a party with. Okay? That is what Jesus is saying. But not just to leave you there, but to get you back where you're supposed to be. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. That's what Jesus has come to do. He's the king who welcomes all. And so he goes to whoever. And he's willing to talk to them. He doesn't come, come there with a scowling face. He comes with a face of welcome. Comes ready to receive them, because he wants to bring all people back to where they were supposed to be. He's the doctor who's come to heal the sick. And so, my friends, let me just apply this in a couple of different ways. First, let this give you hope, because even though we most of us have been in the church a long time and we've we've known Christ and we've tried to walk with him, we also see that we fail. We also see that we've sinned and we still struggle with sins we've committed in the past. We should see that in spite of that, we should see the welcoming face of Jesus who's ready to receive us again and again and again. And secondly, we need to learn to live more out of that as a believer. We need to learn to live out of the declaration your sins are forgiven you. We need to believe that even when things don't go well, even when our circumstances aren't what we'd like, that we are still accepted. And that doesn't just mean that God loves us, but things aren't going to turn out well. It means that things are going to turn out well. It means we have hope that He has good things for us, that He is going to do good things. He has a heart for us and He wants to use us and He wants to see us do things for Him. And he wants us to experience good things. And if he withholds one of them that we would like, it's only for the best of reasons. we got to live out of that and not out of just what we see around us. Living by faith. And we need to do that because Jesus wants to give us the strength and the space to be able to love like he did. Because, my friends, there, are, there is a world full of lepers, paralytics, and tax collectors who need the welcoming face of Jesus. And how will they see it? In your face. In your face. They're not going to see the face of Jesus with their eyes, but they see you. And how you relate to them is going to tell them something about Jesus. Jesus. So that's what we need to do. We look to Jesus with the eyes of faith. We receive his love so that we can turn to others and show them that love as well. Because as St. Teresa of Avila put it, Christ has no body on earth but yours. No hands but yours. No feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion for the world is to look out. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. And yours are the hands with which he is to bless us now. That's an amazing privilege, my friends. We can show the marvelous works of Jesus by how we interact with the world. Thus may it be. Amen.